Howdy, everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 107, Smartphones. Just generally talking about smartphones? Yeah. Have you heard of these things? They're pretty interesting. Yeah, this newfangled technology. Well, a lot of people don't really know about it. So I thought <laughs> we could open up everybody's eyes to what the smartphone is. All right. And why it sucks. No, not quite. It's complicated. It's more nuanced. Yeah. So we chatted, I don't know how many episodes back, uh, about my experiment to sw- switch to a flip phone for a period of a month. It was episode uh, 101. Oh, so it wasn't that. Well, it's six episodes in a bi-weekly podcast. The true meaning of bi-weekly every two weeks, of course, not twice a week. Uh, and yeah, so that's like, what, six months? I don't know. It's over. Weeks. Yeah. And I wrote a very long article about it. You did. Yeah. Did it's you read the longer thing? ones? I did. It would be pretty un, uh, unsupportive of me to not read your yeah. articles. Yeah. Especially if we do a podcast about yeah. it. Yeah. So I read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? It was pretty good. Yeah. Longer than you've written in a long time. Yeah. I'm looking at the Word document here. It's not quite 4,000 words, but it's long enough that I don't know. I'm sending this out this week as we record this episode. Who's going to read this in 2023? I mean, I feel like your readers are the kind of people who are willing and interested in reading things that are longer. Yeah. Yeah. At least it's for the people that won't mind. And I think the nice thing is, I mean, normally you write articles after you do these experiment type things. Yeah. This one wasn't really just about your experience. It was really like digging into the research around smartphones and kind of a broader reflection on the role they have in our day-to-day life. Should we dig into it? Yeah. What did you find? So maybe let's do a recap before we really dig in. So if you listen to the podcast six podcasts ago... Um, you would have learned that Chris tried out this. He was doing an experiment where he yes. stopped using a smartphone and used, for lack of a better word, a dumb phone for a f- for one, hey. one month was the plan. Hey, what do you call my phone dumb? It was pretty dumb. And we'll yeah. get into that after. But it was, so you were using a flip phone, just a standard kind of, it was a Nokia or Alcatel? Yeah, it should probably specify because there are a lot of Android flip phones now. Oh, uh, cool. They came out with the new Motorola Razor. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so the front is all screen and it folds. Not I'm not talking about that. So uh, switch a, I switched from an iPhone 14 Pro, this uh, lovely purple one that's in front of me here, which the screen, in my opinion, is way, well, I have a lot of complaints about this device, but that that's beside the point, or maybe to a later point in the episode. Uh, switched from that to, like you're saying, an Alcatel Go Flip 3. <laughs> we used to work at Alcatel. We did. That's where we met. Yeah. But uh, apparently they licensed their name uh, to a different manufacturer of really bad flip phones. <laughs> so it, ha- it bears the Alcatel crest, which was a- acquired by Nokia, so maybe... The branding is one of the assets that they sold. Uh, hated that phone. The contacts didn't sync, nothing like that. Uh, camera was terrible. So I switched to uh, one called the... How do you say... Do you know how to say no, this company? No, I have company? no idea. The, it's, it's spelled P-U-N-K-T. Uh, punked? P- punked? Yeah. Like the Ashton Kutcher show? Maybe he uh, funded it? Maybe. I, I doubt it, but it's meant to be an analog phone. It has tethering, it has texting, you have the old-timey T9, but uh, essentially this experiment started uh, uh, after a moment of frustration. I remember it 
vividly. I, I wrote in the article, um, I was traveling back from a worker retreat and I remember being in the train that connects Pearson Airport to Union Station in Toronto. And looking around, I just saw uh, every single person, about 20 or so, uh, that was in the car with me was on their smartphone. And th- that's not like a, an out of the ordinary thing. That's kind of the world we live in, this uh, zombification. I forget if that word made it into the final draft. I don't remember seeing it. <clears throat> yeah, because it's made up, <laughs> maybe. Um, and uh, uh, But uh, that didn't bug me so much. What did bug me was how not a single one of those 20 people looked happy. You know, I, I just wanted to give everybody a hug uh, and, you know, just get on with my day, but then I would be that guy in the, in the train car. Uh, but fast forward a, a little while after that fact, after many more moments like this, okay, that's enough. I'm, what is this thing in my life, this smartphone? How necessary is it? What could I learn by essentially getting rid of the thing for a period of a month? How would that go to flip to a, a switch to a flip phone in 2023? And how did it go? Well, Episode, what was it, 101? Mm-hmm. You talked about your frustration with the experiment. Yeah, because at that point you had kind of started, just very tentatively started. Yeah. Um, and I think I actually called from the beginning oh. that I did not think that the smartphone itself was the core of the problem. Yeah. I thought the problem was your Me. particular phone. I you, was the problem. No, no, no. You got this new phone and you had hated it since the get-go. Like You found it yeah. too big. You didn't like how it felt. I. I thought the problem or the one of the bigger problems was the phone that you you had not just smartphones as a whole. This is apparently the best Apple has to offer. If you like a big phone, but everybody in my life has a mini phone. They don't and the, they don't phone. make the mini phone anymore. I know, which is sad. But anyway, all yeah. that aside, yeah, I so I thought that your cause of frustration <clears throat> broader than the discontent with seeing people around you feel sad when they're around mm-hmm. their phones. But also I think your personal experience, I wasn't, I was skeptical, yeah. I think at first, but that said very quickly, it showed that it would be impractical um, for you to not have a <laughs> yeah, phone. Very, very quickly. I mean, there are still lots of restaurants that require you to take a photo of a QR code. Yeah. I think in the first six months after like lockdowns ended, everyone commented on, oh, this feels really awkward. And I think <laughs> yeah. enough people probably said that. Like it was every single group I sat down said that. Uh, anyway, uh, back to the point though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, so immediately it was becoming apparent that those kinds of things, there was a lot of friction that it was associated with not having a smartphone. Social friction. There was so much social with friction. With the wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it got even worse when <laughs> you started to not get messages because oh, smartphones, oh. especially when you have iMessage, I guess, yeah. It just never transferred over to your well, new phone. that's the thing. <laughs> Smartphones, especially maybe if your phone is an iPhone, they're not meant to be switched away from. Mm-hmm. They're meant to be switched to, and then you, you find yourself in this ecosystem, this walled garden, where you own a bunch of Apple things or, or things that are made by the same company, like Google, for example, or Samsung. Uh, and essentially, you're in this, what is called a, a walled garden. People have pr- probably heard that term thrown around before. Um, this beautiful little paradise of technology where everything works together. You have an iPhone and a Mac, and you can use iMessage on the Mac, and then you can transfer. Transfer and pick up where you left off on the iPhone. Then, oh, you have an iPad. 
Oh, good for you. You can welcome to the walled garden ecosystem. You can pick up where you left off on your Mac. And if you have, uh, you know, stage manager, you can use it on every. So the platforms work together in a lot of different ways. But it's like lobbing a grenade into the walled garden, doing an experiment like this is the analogy I used in the article. Mm -hmm. Because it happened immediately for me when I moved my SIM card from the iPhone. That was the moment when everything went to sh**. Yeah. Um, Meaning everybody started having to text me. People texted you you. to get to me, family, friends. I started missing important updates. And we had like three different threads going in iMessage. And you got an earful, I think, in a yeah. previous message or a previous. Uh, we did a kind of recap, a little bit of a mini mini cap on the experiment oh, a few weeks good. ago. That's good. Um, and I think you actually read one of my texts to in the in the uh, podcast, and I was pretty oh, grumpy yeah. about all this because this <laughs> was really really like yeah. disruptive for me, which is not usually the case with your experiment. So I was pretty. I, I did not like the impact that this had on the ability for people to communicate and with you. you should be commended for your patience, <laughs> not for this experiment. I feel you weren't that patient for this experiment, uh, but for all the others. living, like I was a, patient. This was yeah. just really disruptive. Yeah, it, it really was. So let's go through the list, I guess. Yeah, because I think the point is, of this episode is not to just do a recap of what you're, yeah. of, of the experiment. This was just a kind of an intro to, for people who hadn't heard or yeah. the earlier episodes, but... Now let's dig into what you actually learned. So let me ask you for point number five. Point number five. I guess let's go through the article. All right. Five to one. Five to one. Let's do it, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so number five, let me ask you, does this phenomenon of people on their phones in public, does it bother you? It doesn't bother me. I think especially, and I, you kind of alluded to this in the article, like people are usually or are often, maybe not often, sometimes doing stuff they really need to do, right? I mean, I take advantage of, for example, like my bus commute if I'm feeling a little nauseous or whatever because I'm in motion. If I get a little motion sick, sometimes I just go on my phone and I bang out email. Like, and I just get through email so that by the time I get to my office and can do like really deep focused work, that's all done. Like, I I don't have to get it. I don't have to like think about email because it's all done. So, I mean, I think... No, I don't think it's fair to villainize people who are on their phones. Because from the outside... You probably look like a zombie. Yeah, I probably yeah. look like I could just be like on TikTok or yeah. Instagram or whatever and just like kind of... Whatever the un- kids use, unthinking- is that what you're going to say? <laughs> no, yeah? but like unthinkingly swiping through my phone and that <laughs> is fine if that's what you're intending to do. But yeah. often if I'm doing that on like a public space. So I, I just want to give credit. So I don't think my immediate assumption when I see people using stuff is that they're just like not thinking yeah. about it. And people deserve the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But... The correlation still stands, uh, which is that the more screen time you get, the worse off your mental health. Uh, I pulled a a few meta-analyses. So a meta-analysis professor, luckily we have a professor here. What is a meta-analysis in five or fewer words? Can you do it? Usually it's a summary of all of the available literature on a topic. All right. Not quite five words, Eh. but pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I, I poured through the meta-analyses on on phones and screen time out there. And there's some high-quality ones, as you can probably imagine. This is a topic that is well-studied. It's studying in depth. And this connection between mental health and screen time, it's especially robust if you're under the age of 18. Um, and the link between screen time and depression 
is probably the most significant connection, regardless of your age. So for kids and adults, I'll summarize the findings. So, you know, Maybe you find research compelling, maybe you don't find it uh, as motivating, but if you find it compelling. Uh, so for kids and adults, the more screen time you get, the worse your dietary behaviors, sleep, mental health, physical health, and eye health. Fun times. That's a lot of good things. (laughs) So that's kids and adults. For adults, our amount of screen time predicts depressive symptoms. And for kids, higher screen time usage is associated with depression, obesity, calories consumed, a less healthy diet, and an overall reported lower quality of life. Yeah, I haven't read these particular studies, but I, I mean... This doesn't terribly surprise me. I remember back in my psychology 101 class in like 15 years ago, one of my profs who still talks about this stuff and does research in this space was already saying like, maybe you guys should be thoughtful about how much time you spend on on your screens. Yeah. So, I mean, this totally hits home. I think we all know that if we spend too much time not thinking about how we use these things, every, I feel like everybody would resonate with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we yeah. can see it in our daily life. Yeah, and it's not to say that smartphones are pointless. Did you find that when you were spending less time on your phone, you were f- happier? Well, I, no, I had to use a flip phone. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I, I think I was more present. Hmm. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Have you carried any habits that have maintained that? Well, meditation for sure. So you did shift away from less phone time after this ordeal? Well, this kind of... Why don't we jump to number... uh, One? uh, 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 Four. Next in order. Next in order. Yeah, so the, the next lesson was if you don't like your phone... You should reflect on exactly what you're unhappy with because you're exactly right. You were right back in episode number 101, just as you are now, wife of mine, uh, that if you're unhappy with the device, as I was and am, uh, it's probably not wholly making you unhappy. There's probably some good parts of your phone that you can take with you. And so finding what precisely is bothering you about the device, uh, it might be easier to fix than you think. It might... So one kind of thought experiment I think is worth conducting on the phone is if your... Imagine your relationship with your smartphone was an actual relationship. Might as well be for how much time we spend on it. Is it a good one? And for a lot of us, the answer is no, right? If you spend more time with or somebody you're in a relationship with, your mental health should hopefully improve. Um, you should hopefully feel like you're supported and able to accomplish what you set out to do. And the modern smartphone, I, I write in the piece, that provides you with a collection of experiences, some of which make us happy, some of which make us depressed, and many that are merely a shallow source of mental stimulation. And so if your phone doesn't bring you the joy that it used to, it's probably not a completely bad presence. It might just be the mental stimulation that you don't like, the amount of time you spend on the thing that you don't like, the apps that you gravitate to that you don't like. It's worth digging in a little bit more. Yeah. And I think this is one thing, I mean, I've done this over 
Oh, in the past, we're thinking about like how I use my phone. I mean, we talk about this. Yeah. This is not the first time we've talked about no, smartphones yeah, on the pod. You can take a shot because we've... Yeah, we've talked about this before. But I think one idea that I think Gloria and Mark talked about is like time confetti. No, that was Ashley Willens with Time Smart. Man, that what? that was episode 42. What? Okay, all right. Uh, that I don't know how I confused those two interviews. Throwback yeah, much. throwback. But I, I have thought about this idea of time confetti so many times. Because this is what my biggest pain point for when I'm finding I'm frustrated with how much time I'm spending on my phone or something like that, or at least historically when that would happen, it was usually because it felt like I was getting just time confetti. I was just scattering my time in all sorts of small places rather than spending like deep, meaningful time anywhere. And I just, I find the way people use their phones tends to kind of lead to that kind of activity, which is really unsatisfying. Yeah, I find flipping from app to app very unpleasant. If And I'm sure other people do. I just don't find it a good use of my time. And so when I've thought about like how I don't like my phone, it's usually because I'm using it in a way that just leads my time to feel like time confetti, where it's just kind of blows in the wind and is in a million pieces. (laughs) Well, the less time you spend with something, the less rich that experience will be. Yeah. Simply because you have to transition from the previous thing, you have attention residue, you have less time to accumulate uh, mental processing about the current experience. And so you simply have less of a depth of an experience. And especially when we do these things on rote, you know, I, I write in Hyperfocus how when we multitask, we actually shift our mental processing away from the parts of our brain that are responsible for memory uh, to the parts of our brain that are responsible for habits. And so we engage with activity in a rote way, in a shallow way. It doesn't create that depth of experience. It doesn't create that presence. It doesn't create, honestly, that richness or that joy that can be had with the experiences that comprise our day. Um, And so I think this is one reason that so many of us are left feeling this deep sense of dissatisfaction with this device is just how we use it. But I think there's two sides of that coin. It's how we use it, but it's how the device wishes to be used. It's constantly interrupting us as we're doing one thing in one app. There's a notification that somebody messaged us, so we go over to that app. It's a very fragmented device where, you know, an iPad, for example, you spend more time in one app. It takes up most of the screen, unless you use Stage Manager, which we were talking about earlier. Uh, So you have a greater depth of experience on a device like that, as opposed to one that constantly interrupts you in your pocket. Hmm. And just before everybody thinks it's all doomed, I mean, I I think I mentioned like this was something I have thought about in the past. And now I actually think I have a much better relationship with it. Like I don't have the same like angst about my phone, I think, as you did at the beginning of the experiment. And that might be because we've talked about this so many times and I'm, I'm... I think I'm pretty mindful about it. So, I mean, you can bring a little more a little more mindfulness to how you use your phone and yeah. you'll find yourself, maybe you do have better, better relationship with how you use technology and the apps that it allows you to access. Yeah, we talk about this all the time on the pod is this awareness that should precede behavior change where when you become aware of how you're spending your time on something or how something makes you feel when you're doing it, um, that becomes something that, 
then is raw material for change. Uh, when you notice the things that you wish to be different about your daily situation. And so you may notice these things that you don't like about using your phone and, you know, drill down into the specifics. But then in terms of the, the uh, behavior that you wish to change, you have that original data point that you want to repel against. If a certain app is making you feel depressed or bummed out, delete the app. Life, life's too mm-hmm. short. But it, you have to have that awareness at the beginning. Um, one other thing, going to number three here, that uh, I really became aware of during the experiment was this idea of richness of communication. And so there's a different level of depth with how we communicate with other people, depending on just how sensory rich such an experience is. So we're here, we're chatting in person, I can reach out, just touched you on the on the face. Um, and so that's pretty sensory rich, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the communication that comprises our day is quite shallow, right? We're texting somebody and we're just kind of skimming the surface of the depth that we can have with that other human being. Um, and it has no comparison to being able to reach out and touch somebody. But the devices that are in our life sometimes pull us into communicating in ways that don't have that depth. Yeah, and you're certainly not dismissing the fact that like these can be super useful, right? Oh, yeah. If you're doing work yeah. with people, like I do a lot of work with uh, colleagues in Africa and other parts of the world, and it would be really hard to have face-to-face meetings. I also have family that live like far away from here and being able to call them and talk to them on the phone is really handy or being able to send my grandpa a text message every now and then. Yeah. I love oh, that. your grandpa sends the best text messages because he, he learned to text from your cousin who, how old is your cousin? I think she's 14 she, now. She's but it, 14. She was probably 10 when she taught so, him how to text. So every text that he sends is incredible. It's full of rainbows. And emojis. And emojis. It's, it's like how a 10-year-old Like uh, the girl, happiest yeah. emojis. Yeah. It's pretty great. I love my. I got a text from my grandpa like two days ago saying happy anniversary with about a billion hearts and a whole bunch of bunny rabbits. You didn't tell me this. So cute. Yeah. That's great. Great. Yeah. So it's very cute. Um, But all that to say, yes, you're totally right. That communication can be totally. It can be very rich and meaningful. And a smartphone is just a. It's not the same. And everybody knows that, which is why it sucked to do Zoom calls for two and a half oh, years over Zoom on, we all know during that. COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone knew, knew that sucked. And it's nice to be able to be see people more often now that things are more open. And But yeah, if we rely on communication that's totally on our smartphone, mm-hmm. those relationships just don't feel as rich. And it, it's not only that. Technology is fused with how we communicate. And there's this old idea where the medium is the message uh, because the medium we communicate over has constraints. It has different uh, limitations that inform the messages that we can send. And so if all day you spend your day communicating over text message, it's going to be quite shallow unless you're an incredible writer because to be able to express what you're able to through facial expressions, through real communication with a real person that's right in front of you over a shallower form of communication like, like text message, it's a challenge. It's a deep, deep challenge, and you can use all the heart emojis and bunny emojis in the world, but it's still very difficult. Uh, And so (laughs) there's this idea where the medium is the message. The medium determines what messages can be. And this has most definitely happened with the smartphone, where technology has fused with communication. 
uh, with these modern styles of communication, I should say, um, where the mere presence of a technology shapes how we communicate and can make communication more artificial. And so in this experiment with the flip phone, without these shallow forms of communication that I think provided my mind with a fix uh, of feeling as though I have communicated with the people that I love and care about, um, I was missing that in the flip phone experiment. And noticing that I was missing that led me to really crave uh, this communication richness in a way that I hadn't before. Uh, this time with other people in person where I can reach out and poke them in, in the face. <laughs> That's not very nice. Like that. So have you found that since this experiment, you've been seeking out more in person or maybe even over the phone kind of contact? Has this changed how you interact with people in your life? This is one of those things where I want to say that it has. But what I will say is I have way more work to do in this regard. Um, mm -hmm. And so with social anxiety, with kind of integrating back in, with moving to a new city, uh, with all of these things, I, I think I savor the time with other people more. But I can't say that I put more of an effort into finding it. So I think out of all the lessons from this experiment, that's one that, you know, where these the, there are these lessons that you have to learn several times before they stick. I think this is one for me, the, the meaning that people are able to bring to our life. It's kind of like smoking. You have to quit like dozens of times before you finally quit. Almost. For you, maybe you need <laughs> dozens of times you need to get a, a flip phone and then eventually you'll start calling people on the oh, phone. Oh, you would love that. Then I'd be completely alone. <laughs> <laughs> Number no. two. All right. Mindful of the time. Um, mind when you hand your attention to somebody else. What do you mean? Okay. So I, I love this idea actually. Um, so there are times when we hand over our attention to somebody else to provide us with an experience. And so you go to a movie. A movie is a great example of that. Uh, I don't know. I hope we see the new Mission Impossible or the new Barbie. People are talking about the Oppenheimer Barbie doubleheader. Oh, I'm so I, pumped for that. I think Mission Impossible Barbie doubleheader is where it's at. Uh, I don't know what you see first in, in, in that triple situation. Header. Oh, triple header. Oh, we could just move into the movie theater <laughs> at that point. Maybe maybe they, they'll create apartments in, at the Cineplex. Um, <laughs> but essentially, when you see a movie, let's say you're seeing Mission Impossible, you hand over your attention to Tom Cruise. I mean... I don't know if that's something I want to do, uh, but I, I would do it in a movie theater for a period of three hours or so. Mm -hmm. And so essentially you say, here you go, Tom Cruise, here's my attention. And then over the next, I don't know how long this Mission Impossible movie is, three hours or so, Tom Cruise guides you through an experience because you've handed over your attention. And all the other people in the movie. Uh, whoever directs the movie essentially guides your attention. Um, and... This is an idea that happens often, and it's not a bad thing, because when we do it for entertainment purposes, we can be quite entertained ha handing over our attention to a show on Netflix or Apple TV Plus or in a movie theater, which I'm happy is coming back. But we also hand over our attention regularly uh, to the phone apps that we use, and the incentives are a bit 
weirder in that realm where it's pretty cut and dry when you watch a movie in a theater, right? People complain about ticket prices all the time. Uh, and I won't fall into that trap, even though it is a, a podcast. Um, but essentially, you pay the price and then you get to watch the movie. With a phone app, usually you pay nothing at all. And sometimes uh, you pay with your attention. Right, your eyeballs are sold to advertisers uh, to essentially for for the uh, app developers to make money. There are some apps that buck this trend, but overall, uh, we should be questioning why somebody wants our attention on our phone. Not only that, but what they want to do with it. Yeah, your attention, just like your money or any other resource, is finite, right? Yeah. You you could be the richest person in the world and you still only have a certain amount of time on this earth and yeah. a certain amount of attention to give to whatever you want to spend your time doing on this planet. So don't all rich people microdose with things that give them unlimited attention, Arden? No. no? That's okay. not Maybe, okay. I don't know. I'm right. not one of those people. So okay. all that to say, you should be just as mindful of how you use your attention as you would any other finite resource, right? I'm an economist, so everything we do is thinking about how you use or allocate scarce resources and your time and your attention are arguably some of the most valuable resources you have. Oh. And you should be very thoughtful about how you use them. That's the name of the podcast. I know. That you just said. Well, look time at that. and attention. Brought it back to econ. I can oh. always do it. Everything comes back to econ for you. Well, it's, I mean, it's definitely my bias. I was trained as an economist. Well, what's the econ of the water you're drinking as we do the podcast? That's too, too many okay. things. Oh, that. and it's already 30 minutes mm-hmm. in. And we still have. And we want to be respectful of you, listener, who yeah. have dedicated 30 minutes of your attention. So I think far. that would be quite amusing to hear you talk about the water bottle. But anyway. Well, you have a very big bias yeah, here. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, all that to say, I mean, we won't take up any more time. We'll dig into the last one because yeah. if people really want to read this article, they can. You can prove to yourself, dear listener, that you can spend a dedicated 10 <laughs> minutes of time Is that reading one article. Uh, yes. So, the, the first, the last, number one point. We've uh, worked our way from five, four, three, two. Number one is deeper happiness is found at lower levels of mental stimulation. And so we talk about the idea of the novelty bias all the time on the podcast. Probably too much, would you say? Mm, Maybe. Just enough. Just enough. We talk about it just enough on the podcast. And essentially... Every single activity we engage with over the course of the day has a different height of stimulation depending on how novel it is to us. Uh, And so there are other variables at play like salience, like genetics. Novelty seems to be the main thing that differs, especially uh, in the digital realm. And the more novel something is, the uh, the higher its height of stimulation. And depending on the things that we engage with over the course of the day, their average height determines how stimulated our mind is. And this is, you know, speaking mostly in generalities here because creativity, uh, focused work makes us, uh, m- makes us release dopamine in our mind as well. But generally speaking, the lower our stimulation height is, the more focused and creative and productive we become. And this goes to the point where just because something stimulates your mind doesn't mean that it makes you happy. This was incredibly evident over the smartphone experiment. Uh, lowering that stimulation height, it kind of had the same effect that a, a fast does of sorts, a stimulation fast, uh, sometimes called a dopamine fast, where we disengage with 
these empty, shallow uh, activities we engage with for the primary reason of uh, receiving that dopamine spike in our brain. When we eliminate those, we feel as though we are able to calm down. We feel as though we're able to uh, find ground in the present moment. And that's what makes us focused. That's what makes us engaged and productive. And so that was a, a, a final lesson from the experiment. Yeah, I can totally, I mean, I didn't do this experiment with you, but right sure. now, I do think like I'm right now, I'm coming off of the end of teaching semester plus yeah. the end of a conference season, which was so busy, but like I was traveling so much and we moved. And so I was finding I was just really scattered and not yeah. like we were just, I was doing so much trying to coordinate all these conferences and getting all my presentations done. And so it was a lot, like there was super high stimulation levels because I was meeting all these people. It was really exciting and a different kind of productive, but Very now novel, in yeah. the last like two weeks, I finally had time to really get grounded and, and really dig into my work and, and my stimulation levels are way lower in terms of kind of this idea. And I've been able to get so much done. It's just been amazing how much like really disconnecting and unpack, like distancing yourself from a ton of activity a yeah. little bit can be just so rewarding and so much more pleasant when you're trying to do a lot of really like deep thinking work. And work and everything becomes more enjoyable. When you can really focus on it. When you and can dig really in. focus on it and yeah. dig in. And I, I think I would even go so far as to say this is time independent, where, you know, some days we have a lot of time pressure, other days we don't have a lot of it, where, you know, there aren't these big deadlines looming. But stimulation is an independent factor of time pressure, where it's the amount of dopaminergic things we engage with on a daily basis that determines it. So you can be really busy, you can have a lot of deadlines and still be the calm in the storm. And I think there's an incredible amount of power in being that. Um, maybe you're the surgeon who, when everybody is fretting around you, is able to find focus and find ground, and it leads everybody else to feel that same way. Like we all know people where when they walk into the room, people just let their shoulders down because they feel like it's going to be okay because this doctor has entered the room or whomever. And uh, ultimately, we need that presence in our life. Uh, I, I really do think so. That's Be your own presence. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's probably why I wrote a book on the topic, mm -hmm. um, How to Calm Your Mind. Mm -hmm. Plug. There you go. Take a shot. But it's, uh, it, it's this idea that we don't seek out. We don't seek out, uh, out the calm that comes from a lower mental stimulation level, uh, often until <laughs> we need it, uh, until we reach a point of anxiety or, or that sort of thing. Uh, but I think it's worth finding in and of itself. So uh, can, can I, I want to read this one paragraph from the article. Is that weird if I read? Is it? I think you should leave it to the listener to, oh, to go seek out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. A little incentive to go read this article. Okay. Well, you you you, you uh, gave it a little bit of a hard time saying it's so long. It's yeah. not that long. Well, who reads articles this long anymore? Well, maybe people who have a, a nice attention span. Pe people who listen to this mm -hmm. uh, lovely episode. Yes. Time and attention. Timeandattention.fm is where you can find all of the show notes and everything else for the uh, podcast. You can also find them in the podcast play of your choice. All the episodes, all the links, including to the article that we've mentioned enough already, will be in the show notes and on the website. Um, the smartphone, not a perfect device. Far from it. 
I'm not convinced that mine makes me happy. A lot of the research would agree with that. But at the same time, we can take the parts that are efficient. We can take the parts that streamline our life while using the analog world for more meaning. And I hope as a result of this podcast that your days are richer as a result. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.